today we continue exploring the heroes and villains of the Old Testament by studying a very important chapter in the story of God's work on earth. And I'd like to read the account as it appears in the book of Numbers in the Bible. Numbers is the fourth book in the Bible, and I'll start reading at Numbers chapter 13. And you may want to get there in your Bible so that you can read along. But first, some background. About 2,000 years before Jesus, God approached a man named Abraham and told him, Abe, even though you're childless, I'm going to miraculously give you a child and build a nation out of you. But you will not only be a nation of people, you will also have your own land. It's a land called Canaan. And Abe, if you think this is great, it gets even better. Because this nation that descends from you will give birth to the Savior, the One. And you will be, through Him, a blessing to all the nations of all the earth for all human history. So, God led Abraham to Canaan. But then, eventually, uh, a famine came so that Abraham's descendants had to move to Egypt where uh, this family grew to a nation of several million people, but unfortunately, the Egyptians enslaved them. So God called Moses uh, to set his people free. Uh, God brought plagues against Egypt, uh, and Egypt released Israel from bondage. God led his people through the Red Sea and then gave them laws and revealed himself on Mount Sinai. Then God led his people from Mount Sinai with a column of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And everyone from day one knew where God was leading. God was leading his people back to Canaan, to their homeland, to the land that God promised to Abraham 500 years earlier. God led his people to the doorstep of this promised land in Canaan. And guess what? Uh, There were squatters living on the land that God gave to Abraham. And so uh, God's people knew what had to happen uh, to these squatters. They had to be chased out. So the first step in God's plan was to send 12 spies into the land, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And these 12 spies were supposed to go into Canaan and then come back with information about how wonderful Canaan was, how the land was fertile, and, uh, and they were to paint a verbal picture of how tremendous it was going to be to live there and raise their children there. But this didn't happen. And so now we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 13, beginning with the very first verse. And everything that I read uh, here is not going to appear on the screen, just the highlights as we go along. Numbers 13, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send 12 men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Verse 26, after sending them out, the 12 spies came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, and they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Verse 30. Then Caleb, one of the twelve spies, silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them uh, said, 
We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw giants there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, verse four, uh, chapter 14 begins, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt and, uh, or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not Rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Verse 21. And the Lord declared, As surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land and he, that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Verse 36. So the men uh, Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against God by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua and Caleb survived. And speaking of Caleb, let me go back to what God said about him in verse 24. Numbers 14, 24. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into, and his descendants will inherit it. This is a powerful account about what it means to be a hero in God's eyes. Our hero is a man named Caleb. And God says that he is a hero because Caleb has a different spirit. God wants you to be a hero in his story. And so God lifts up Caleb and says, I want you to be like this guy, just like Caleb. I want you to have a different spirit. Let's study Caleb. And let's ask the question, what is Caleb's spirit? And then let's ask also, how do I get it? What is Caleb's different spirit? Well, let's start with the truth that Caleb's different spirit means that he lives in faith, not fear. God sent 12 guys to check out the promised land. 
And uh, these 12 guys all had the same core teaching and had the same key experiences. They were all taught that God was limitless in power and that this God had promised to bring his people to the land of Canaan. Not only did the 12 have the same teaching, they had the same experiences. These guys all saw God part the Red Sea uh, and lead God's people by a cloud and fire to the doorstep of Canaan. And even though these 12 all had the same teaching and the same experience, 10 of them came back from their reconnaissance saying, forget it. There's no way. Sure, God wants us to conquer this land, but it's never going to happen. There are giants. It's impossible. Let's go back to Egypt. All 12 were taught about God's faithfulness and had seen it in action. But only two were willing to operate on faith instead of fear. Caleb saw the same giants, the same walls, the same obstacles, but he had a different spirit. Caleb saw the circumstances. But he didn't react with fear like the others. Caleb didn't throw in the towel. He threw out the challenge. Caleb said, come on, everybody. Don't be afraid. We know who God is. And since God is with us, we can do this. The giants won't devour us. We'll devour them. Caleb and the timid ten saw the same circumstance, but they had, same, they had the opposite reaction. Why? Well, the difference in Caleb's different spirit is what Caleb believed. Uh, A psychologist named Albert Ellis, who died several years ago, was famous for a formula that he called the ABCs of the inner life, uh, which refers to the idea that a person's internal life is the product of a simple equation. Uh, Ellis's formula was an A plus B equals C uh, equation, where A stands for antecedent, um, which is... uh, just something that happens uh, and is a triggering event, and C stands for consequence. Um, For instance, an antecedent could be uh, a large hit-and-run dent in my car, and the consequence, C, uh, could be me flying into a temper tantrum uh, and screaming with rage. An antecedent is an external event, and then the consequence is the internal result, which could be anger or rage or bitterness. Another external antecedent could be a harsh critique on my job performance review, and the consequence in me could be uh, despair or a desire to quit in discouragement. And I say that the consequence of this job critique could be discouragement because it doesn't need to be. Uh, This C consequence is influenced by the B in the formula. According to Ellis, between every A uh, in life and every C in life, there is a B, where B stands for belief. Uh, What a person believes determines the person's consequence. Uh, One day in grade school, uh, Mrs. Carson gave Johnny, little Johnny, a math uh, question. She said, uh, Johnny, if you had $5 and you asked your father for $5, how much would you have? And Johnny answered, $5. 
And the teacher said, no, listen, Johnny, if you had $5 and you asked your father for $5, how much would you have? And Johnny answered, $5. And the teacher said, Johnny, apparently you don't know your addition. And Johnny said, no, Mrs. Carson, apparently you don't know my father. <laughs> uh, you see, Johnny knew that his father was tight-fisted and cheap, and he knew that asking for $5 wasn't going to do any good. And since he knew his father, Johnny knew that Mrs. Carson's rules of math did not apply. Well, if I'm a child of God, the same goes for me, but in the opposite direction. Because my Heavenly Father is so loving and so powerful and so generous, the normal rules of math in life don't apply. When I believe God's promises, God's fatherly love gives me so much peace and so much strength and confidence in life that it defies the normal rules. What I believe about my Heavenly Father gives me a different spirit that changes the equation in my life. When a coworker hurts me or a friend betrays me, everyone expects that this antecedent will equal a consequence of revenge or bitterness or anger. But if I really believe God, if I really walk in faith in my Father, I will have a different spirit that changes the equation. When people see that I don't seek revenge, uh, I don't lash out, um, but instead I forgive and I patiently resolve conflict, people say, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. You shouldn't be joyful and peaceful. And that's when I can say, well, apparently you don't know my Father. Because what I believe in my Heavenly Father changes the equation in my life. When you have a chronic illness or family pressure or financial strain or emotional stress, and everyone expects these antecedents will equal fear and insecurity and discouragement in you, but if you believe God and believe in your Father, you can walk in faith and have a different spirit. And when people see that you don't lose sleep, you are not paralyzed in panic, but you smile with confidence and courage, people will say, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. And that's when you can praise God and say, well, apparently you don't know my father. Caleb knew his heavenly father, and it changed the equation for him. It gave him a different spirit. And the difference in his different spirit was his belief about God. What he believed about God made him a hero in God's eyes. So, what do you believe about God? And does your belief in God make any difference in the way you react to the giants in your life? Uh, the villains in this story are not evil people. They are ordinary people who missed their part in God's story because they chose to operate under fear instead of faith. These ten spies prove that you can know facts about who God is, and this knowledge can have zero effect in how you react to the giants in your life. The villains of this story prove that you can see God do amazing things in your life, and these experiences can have zero effect in your life such that you are still dominated by fear 
by the giants. God calls you to be different. God calls you to take everything that you know of God, everything that you've experienced in God, take that belief and allow that belief to overcome your worries and fears and anxieties so that you really do live in a different way with a different spirit. And this is the first step. This is the first way that, uh, that God defines what a different spirit is in Caleb. Uh, it means that he lives in faith instead of fear. Second, uh, Caleb's different spirit means that he lives to participate in God's story. Uh, the villains in this story are just ten ordinary people who chose disastrously to be more invested in their self-protection than in God's story. The villains had a high interest in being safe and had a low interest in being part of what God was interested in. Uh, but Caleb was a hero in God's eyes because he had a different spirit. Caleb had a high desire to participate in God's story. And if that meant taking some risk, he was willing to take it, to be a part of God's story. And God wants me to be a hero in his story who isn't afraid of taking some risk to be a part of his work. Caleb was a hero because he never let fear hold him back from being a part of what God was doing. And you may think that Caleb was a risk taker because he was just a foolhardy young buck. Well, you're right. Uh, the events that we've been uh, talking about so far uh, happened when Caleb was very, very young. He was only 40 years old, just a, a mere babe. Uh, but guess what happened? Uh, just as God said, only Caleb and Joshua lived to come back and take the promised land. And in the process of chasing out the squatters, there was one section of the promised land that was considered by all to be the most difficult spot to, come, to conquer, and it was called the Hill Country. Well, guess who volunteered to take this assignment on? This is what Caleb said in Joshua 14. Caleb said, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the giants were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as God said. And scripture records that this is exactly what Caleb did. Caleb took that hill country for God's glory and became a big part of God's story. Caleb's willingness to take a risk was not the result of youthful exuberance. It was because he had a different spirit and he longed to make a difference in God's story. Whether 40 years old or 85 years old, Caleb lived his entire life with this burning desire to be actively involved in God's work. And this is what has over the 
the many years, 165 years of, of this church, BlackRock, this is what has met, set BlackRock apart as a church, is that we have so many people who are Caleb's, who have this desire to be involved in what God is doing in this world. This is the kind of people we have here as part of BlackRock, but this is what we need to see more and more. We need to have more and more of us become heroes. We need more Caleb's who have this different spirit and yearn to participate in God's story. We need young Caleb's and we need old Caleb's who will say, I don't care about what the giant is that stands in my way. I will get involved in BlackRock's mission to bring people to Jesus. I don't care what the giant demands are on my schedule. I will participate in helping children and students and adults grow in Christ at BlackRock. And I don't care what the giant of materialism screams. I will participate financially in the mission that Jesus has given us as a church. Nobody claims that God promised us a new building. But here at BlackRock, we really do believe that God has led us by cloud and led us by fire and has parted the, the waters of the Fairfield Wetland Commission uh, so that we could be a part of God's story in this community. Uh, but as you heard earlier, as we enter our new building, our operating costs go up significantly. And we won't be able to meet those costs unless more BlackRock people become BlackRock Calebs who become participators through regular giving. Uh, we have, you know, many people here at BlackRock who are still checking out whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. And I am not talking to you. I'm, I'm just reaching out to those of you who follow Jesus and you receive from this church, but you don't participate in God's story through regular giving. We need you. We need you to be a Caleb with a different spirit than the selfish spirit of our culture. We need you to be a Caleb who lives and gives in faith instead of just being a spectator who watches the Caleb's give and risk and stretch and grow. This is so important. To our future. You know, another way we need you to uh, take the step of faith over fear is by overcoming uh, timidity when it comes to inviting a friend uh, to church or to consider following Jesus. Boldly be a Caleb who becomes a part of God's story in the lives of people around you. And at Black Rock Fairfield here, uh, you can become a Caleb when you step out of your comfort zone and follow your passion by offering help in the kids' ministry or uh, with students or in our cafe. Black Rock Long Ridge, uh, you become a Caleb when you start a Bible study group, just like Krista uh, just uh, started one for women. Look for opportunities to serve. God preserves this account about Caleb. Because God wants you to be a hero in his story. If you listen, God is calling you. God is calling you to adopt a different spirit. A spirit that lives by faith instead of fear. A spirit that would never let a little risk 
stand in your way. Your chance to participate in God's story. If you really listen, if you listen to God, you will hear God calling you out of passivity, out of timidity, out of negativity. And you'll hear God calling with a passion in his voice. You know, when we read the scriptural account of Caleb and the ten timid spies, aren't you taken back a little bit by the strong emotion in God's voice? I am. I mean, God turned to those who were timid and said, they're treating me with contempt. And God, I think it just comes from the fact that God was so excited for his people. Uh, he performed miracles in Egypt and parted the Red Sea so that he could lead his people uh, to this great land and fulfill this promise that he had made uh, 500 years before. And God told 12 people to go in and look around. And he wanted them to come back with this report that was enthusiastic. And you get the idea that God was so frustrated and so disappointed when these ten came back with gloom and doom. God was so hurt by the ten who came back with this negative nitpicking and passive pessimism. And I wonder, if you are really to listen to God, I wonder whether you'd hear some hurt in his voice about the way that you're choosing to approach this one and only one life that he's given you. And I wonder if you hear God aching over the way that you focus on the giants in your life and miss the promised land that he wants to lead you into. I wonder if you hear God hurting over the fact that he's taught you so much about who he is, but you still, after experiencing so much, shrink back in fear and timidity and passivity and negativity and end up just wandering around in circles in a slow-motion death walk instead of the exciting life that he's calling you into. He wants to fill you and your life with meaning as a part of his story. If you open your eyes and you see your life like God sees it, you will be a Caleb. You will never let your giants paralyze you in fear. You will never let risk hold you back. You will never waste time on worry. If you really listen to heaven, you will drop everything else for your opportunity to be a hero in God's eyes. Let's pray. I'd like to just give you a moment to listen. Would you just look at your life the way God sees it? Allow him to lift you up to where he is right now. And to look at your life, including the giants in the land. Look at your life the way he sees it. 
Don't focus on the giants, but focus on how God wants you to respond to the giants in your life with a different spirit. Would you just respond to what God shows you right now, just in the quiet? Just respond to him with a desire to be a Caleb. Please stand now as we close. Oh, God, thank you for giving us so many Caleb's here at Black Rock. But, Lord, would you call us all into the excitement of living a life that's directed by what we believe in you and directed by our faith and not our fear. Would you allow us to live, to participate in the most important thing that is happening on this planet, which is your story? Oh, God, would you give us a new and fresh start so that we might become heroes, not for our glory, but for yours, and become a big part, a difference maker in your story. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. 